You're listening to The Full Broadside. another edition of the full broadside with me today kj mando sock and nimitz we have decided that he's so awesome we have made him a permanent member of our crew so how's it going guys <laughs> doing good how's everybody else well wait i didn't get a vote doing on that. great <laughs> no votes yeah right I figured he's here every week anyway, it seems. Why not just put him on the show? And, and if we we miss one person, it's not the end of the world. We've still got four. Did you really think this was a democracy? <laughs> well, I'm <was> hoping. <laughs> the tribe has spoken. Right. Your vote Your vote don't count, KJR, no matter what. It doesn't count. Nah, that's all right. I'm used to that. I'm married. <laughs> You know, I, I got two announcements on the show uh, that I wanted to, to to bring up real quick. First off, a quick little correction from last week when I was reading that lengthy statement or, or uh, what the heck was it, the dev notes from uh, the submarine stuff. And I had made a slip and said nautical miles. And it was abbreviated KM, which is kilometers, not <laughs> not nautical miles. I don't know where my head was at, but probably because all of the uh, all of the storm stuff I've been listening to uh, in the area the last couple of weeks. So, so anyway, that's a little apology. The other thing I wanted to break to everybody, I, I don't think I've said this to anybody here, but our background music, I'm getting rid of it because I've noticed in the last few episodes, it works perfectly up until one little tiny blip and suddenly it just cranks up super loud and i don't know why it's doing that it has something to do with the conversion and the uh, you know it, i edit it through it's perfect and then when it converts in and i've got the finished product i still don't hear that when i play it on the computer but when it's uploaded you get a random three to five second really it's like i cranked the juice on the speaker and it it's just annoying, so we're scratching all the background stuff for a little while. I don't know that it'll come back is, at some point, but I don't know what it is. It's but it's out of there. I've had enough of it. So, isn't that normal for a guitar solo? You crank it up to eleven. Yeah, but not right when we're talking, and it's going right up over us, so you can hardly hear us. It's it's <laughs> almost as if we should be shouting to hear you know to talk over it. So, but uh, anyway, could we replace it? With like a jazz bass, like smooth jazz bass line or something, that would be really cool. Well, I'm still waiting on, on Sock to whip that out with his jazz band, so we'll see. We'll see down the road, but right now I'm just gonna kill it. So I'm thinking, a, I'm thinking a little trumpet solo could be perfect, dude. Maybe a little uh, interim while we're while we're doing the uh, the quick uh, podcast uh, uh, sponsor clip. Maybe a little easy listening elevator music or something in between the two. Is that where you're going to that? Absolutely. And uh, I think if anybody could pull it off, so I could do it. Maybe we, 
we need to play that whenever I talk about rank battles. It'll it'll soothe the <laughs> savage beast. <laughs> you know, that actually came up in the email. I'll bring that up in the second half of the show. But uh, you were actually mentioned. We, we all were. So it, it's going to be a good email. I think you guys will like it. But anyway, That's awesome. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, before we get uh, too far off, Sock made a promise uh, uh, last week about the uh, clan battle record, uh, whether we did better in CVs or BVs, and uh, I think he's got some results for us. Yeah, so uh, give me a moment here to f- find the note that I made on my phone about it. So I took the. I decided to only take the results of the last 25 games we played because it just would have taken me hours and hours to do the statistics of the rest of them. Yeah, I, um, only I get to waste hours and hours on the podcast. Um, <laughs> the most interesting thing I found, which really, which did kind of skew, I think, the data a little bit, was out of the our last 25 games, 22 of them, the enemy team had a battleship. Really. Yeah, and there were two games with Carrier, and interestingly, we actually had one game today that had neither. Yeah, that was really interesting. Really? That was really weird. I don't really want to speculate on why that was. I mean, we can if you want. But And as for our win rates with Battleship compared to Carrier, it was kind of a wash. Um, it really depends on who's playing. You know, some uh, when we have our we have our normal players playing, then we we kind of you know we've all felt each other out. We know how the other people play. It doesn't really matter whether we're a battleship team or a carrier team. We tend to do pretty well um, when we don't really know each other that well, and we have some of the some other people in there that might not be as experienced with clan battles it can be a little bit more wishy-washy. So I think if I had data for the same team over a certain amount of time, like the same players, and the only variable is the ships, I think we'd get a little bit better data. But part of me thinks that it doesn't really make a difference at Tier 6. At least from my experience playing the games, we tend to win about the same amount with Carrier as we do with Battleship, especially when we have a good Battleship player. So, so you're saying with uh, carriers, we only had two games, and it was fifty-fifty. Uh, I'm assuming that's what you're saying. And then with battleships, what was the ratio like, though, on our wins losses? They about the same. In fact, I think we probably um, overall our clan's win rate is, I think, forty-seven percent. I don't have the game open right now. I think it's forty-seven, forty-seven and a half percent, something like that. Um. Now, most of my experience with this, with the win rate side of things, is obviously when I'm playing. And my clan battle's win rate in this clan is more like 70%. So I'm kind of skewed in that way. So I see a lot more wins than I see losses. So I, I'm thinking, you know, when I'm doing my thoughts about it, and I'm thinking like, gosh, we win a heck of a lot of games with battleships. But I'm thinking like, well, that's probably because I'm always in the battleship division, and I tend, to, well, you know, we tend to have the. Uh, I'm losing my train of thought. Well, let me let me ask you: Do you think it's because of tier six that we're seeing less carriers? And I think so. yeah, like if we bumped it up to tier ten, do you think that there would be more carriers? 
I, I think, think maybe in I think maybe in Squall and Gale, maybe not. Maybe a little bit more. And I think it's probably the same. I mean, if there's any higher league players out there listening, feel please feel free to correct me on this um, if I'm wrong. But I feel like once you get into the higher divisions, you're probably going to be seeing a lot more carriers. Yeah, tonight in the uh, the 10 that I was in uh, with Sock and I, and there was a couple others of us in there for seven, we, we ran Battleship every time. The Horse Fight is what we were running. Yeah. And we ended up going seven and three with the, I think Sock, you and I left at the same time. Uh, I had family stuff yeah. to deal with. So, but I got 10 <laughs> in and, and we won seven and only lost three. I mean, that's, yeah, that's pretty good. Now, when it comes to, tier 10 versus six i think you know i think the meta last time around was spot the dds with the carriers and yeah. the venezias would eliminate them and yeah that seems to be the case but now i mean we've got you know that's kind of an interesting little segue here we've got the uh developer blog here well, about before we move on to that a adjustments so before we move on to that Okay. One thing I will say about uh, Carrier versus Battleship, from my experience playing, is when you're in a Battleship game, you're much more reactive. You don't know where they're going. You don't know where the enemy team's going. And you have to adjust your play style on the fly. You have to adjust what you're doing on the fly. And you're kind of at the mercy of what the enemy team does. When you have a Carrier, and, and especially if you have a Battleship and the other team has a Carrier, you're totally at the mercy of that Carrier. You have no idea what the enemy team's going to do, and they know exactly where you are in the first minute of the game. And that's the most important thing, I think, with the carrier, even more than doing damage and killing the destroyers, is the spotting. The spotting's so important, knowing what their team's doing right off the bat, and you can adjust your where you're going before you even leave the spawn. I think that contributes to a lot more victories, whereas with the battleship, you kind of just have to brute force your way through it. Well, I, I think one of the other things we talked about, um, I think it was on a couple of episodes ago, um, is it also team composition. I mean, and I'm not talking about ships, I'm talking about players. It's like you have to uh, you got to have people that gel with each other. Yeah, you have to work as a team and you have to gel. And, you you know, I mean, if, if you know, Cyber's in the battleship and all of a sudden, for no reason at all, he would not do this. But if he did decide to go in and cap A, you know, I got to know like ahead of time that this is something that cyber might do and be aware of it and be able to adjust to it on the fly. So, I mean, I think team composition and, and gelling is, is just as important as the actual ship composition. But Well, and communication is huge here. Uh, if I'm going to head in a, in a battleship and cap a, I need to communicate that to my teammates so that they are aware and can react and we can all work together. And that's why a battle caller seems to work pretty well. And everybody kind of call out good information, what's going on. We don't need, Hey, you know, I set this guy on fire. Oh, I set him on fire again. Oh, I set him on fire again. Oh, I citadeled him. We don't really need that. What we want to know is, okay, he's on fire. He put it out guys. He put it out. That gives everybody an idea. Okay, he put it out. Next fire is going to be a perma burn. That's the kind of information you need. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, I mean, there is some value to saying, I just got a really big hit on this ship, because that kind of implies he's going to be lower. Right. So it's, I think it is important, as long as you keep it brief and just kind of... Um, 
only say what's important to the battle. Yeah, well, I mean, I nothing wrong with calling out targets. Um, you know, if if you get a big hit on on a particular target, and you're like, hey, you know, the the worst spike's got a thousand hit points left. You know, burning down. Nothing wrong with calling out targets. I agree with that hundred percent. But anyway, if we're eating through our time here, so we should probably move on. <laughs> All right. Well, since we started the segue, and I was rudely interrupted by Mister Sock. Well, uh, I'm going to read the blog post. I don't know if all you guys read it. I think it sounds like because it was brought up in our chat here. Um, let me pull it up. And the uh, the changes to AA and detectability by uh, our detectability ranges by air. Now, we covered this a little bit when they were talking about it, but it seems that they've got a step closer and they're saying that there will be a closed test session uh, for changes to AA and detectability range by air. Currently, what they're looking at is detectability range by air of all ships will be significantly reduced between 40 to 60% for all ships. Um, when activated, AA defenses will no longer instantly operate at 100% capacity, but will instead gradually increase in efficiency, reaching 100% after 7 seconds. The inverse also applies when deactivating AA with the same key. Uh, AA guns start preliminary firing at planes at a range of 30% higher than their maximum value. When flying in this outer area, shell explosions appear above and below the course of a squadron, and continuous damage is not dealt. It says uh, these changes will allow players to choose between fighting planes or relying on their stealth to avoid them in different situations. After lowering, detect lowering detectability ranges, AA guns could start firing while the ship was hidden. The mechanics of preliminary fire will exclude such situations as the gradual in increment of AA damage and will protect planes from sudden unexpected waves of AA fire and after the guns are activated. So it seems as if they're going to, I mean, not only are they going to make it for DDs, but they're doing it for everybody, which is nice. But my instant take on this is, you know, what it was back then. Um, we talked a little bit about it in the channel tonight that I feel if you're cutting it between 40 and 60, let's say 50%, that's going to drop the detectability by air for DDs, most of them are 2.9 or 3. That's going to cut it in half down to 1.5. That makes it much harder for a DD to be spotted. And even if he's spotted, for them to get rockets on, because now they've got to turn out and come around. So I think that's a little DD love, but I mean, everybody's uh, detectability by air is going to decrease significantly. So what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, me, me and KJ have, you know, have always been a proponent of DD love, you know, hashtag DD's lives matter. But, um, <laughs> um, you know, I'm a carrier player too. And, uh, that kind of concerns me because, um, if you have a good DD captain and, and he's rolling along out there, I mean, he knows when to turn in and when to turn away and, um, you know, he's going to be doing everything he can to avoid you. And sometimes, you know, in the heat of battle, you, you're making that turn and you want to drop those rockets on him, but you just didn't get around in time and you, you pull the trigger on the rockets anyway and you miss, uh, knowing it's going to be a miss, but you do it. Um, 
I mean, this is kind of scary because it seems to me like it could almost make them unhittable. Um, I'm I, I'm gonna have to see it in play and see how it works, but I think that's a concern because you're. I mean, they want to appease DD players and and keep them in the in the game, but do you want to you know piss off if you'll pardon the language your 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 carrier players and make them stop playing carriers because it seems like there's a good chance that could happen. Well, here, here's my thought. I mean, if you're, if you're in, you're fighting your, you're flying your rocket planes out there and you find a DD in this new iteration, you got to know that you're probably not going to be able to hit them with the rockets. So your best bet at that point is drop the fighter to try and keep him spotted so that your allies can take him down with their regular guns on their ships. Meanwhile, you circle around and find a, a cruiser or a battleship and, and start focusing on that. And I don't think it renders them unplayable. I think it just allows for a, a little bit better gameplay, but you know, I, I don't know. It's, I don't think they're, they're nerfing them too much. I think they're just, instead of saying, Hey guys, go ahead and attack the DDs all the time. Like they do right out the gate, they go right for the DDs and delete a DD or two right off the map, right at the beginning of the game. This way, the DDs have a little, little longer lifespan while the carrier can basically just light them up for everybody to see and go after something else. But you can't anymore. I mean, dropping your fighters in a strategic area, um, to, to provide spotting is still a viable tactic. Dropping your fighters over a Holland is not a viable tactic. They're they're gone instantaneously. I mean the the well, that AA may, that may change with the AA because it's actually going to have to ramp up this time. It's not going to be that instant. Right. Yeah, that's that's going to change because the way that they're they're saying is like I run around with my Holland with the AA on because I just I I don't care. You know. I agree. Yeah. You know, yeah, c- come at me, CV, right? Um, and so the result of that is now is I'm going to get spotted at range for them to come at me should they choose. Now, should I sneak attack with my Holon, meaning turn the AA off, wait till they get within, you know, visual range and then pop my AA on? I'm no longer doing 100% damage and melting that squadron down. So it's yep. given that CV player a chance to react to get out of my AA bubble. I, I think it's a good balance. Um, yeah, it in, is. What happens a lot of the time as, as a carrier player is there's a lot of ships that have a, there's a few ships, a lot of light cruisers with AFT will have a longer AA range than air detection range. So that means that just out of nowhere, your planes will just get swatted out of the sky from flak. And it can be really awkward, or not awkward, but really frustrating when you're just like, okay, I never even saw him. It, it's like getting. It's like getting deleted by a ship you didn't see. Right. High mine an island. Well, yeah, I mean, exactly. I mean, if, if they're going to, you know, make the changes to AA, so you have to ramp it up. So they're giving um, the, the carriers a chance. But at the same time, you're going to decrease detectability. So they're giving the destroyers a chance. Why not just leave it as it is? I mean, it sounds like it's a wash. Well, it's, it's forcing, not forcing, but it's, it's making the destroyer captain make a choice. Do I want to run silent and stealthy, right? And skirt around the planes, in which case you probably won't get spotted. Or 
am I going to run with my AA guns on, depending on the class of the ship? So you have a choice to make on how you want to run your DD. And with the carrier player, it's, you know, fine, you want to run with your AA guns on, I'm going to spot you from across the map. Or if you run silent and I just happen to roll over a mountain range and pop out on top of you, I'm not going to get penalized because I didn't see it. It, it. To me, it's, I don't know, I like the balance. It's a, it's a good cushion in between the two. Yeah. So they've heard my cries, and so now I can actually go cap again, right? No. No. DDs don't oh, cap. DDs don't cap, KJ. However, I do safe. think what's going to happen is basically every destroyer that's not a Holland or a Kitakaze or ships like that or a kid are just going to always keep their AA off. Because a lot of the time, AA is weak enough on on destroyers that you're, the planes, although you're not going to be able to loiter on them for hours, it's enough that you can stay in the AA bubble, fly past them, turn around, and come back for a strike, and you're not maybe going to lose one or two planes. So the right. AA, AA on destroyers that aren't AA destroyers is basically irrelevant. It's yeah, basically you, you just free spotting for the carrier. You might as well run with it off. Um, yeah, exactly. But in this case, your survivability is going to go up because it's going to take that carrier is going to have to do a lot more work to stay on top of you, to spot you, let alone to, you know, come back around and make an attack run. Um, good. It's a, it's a good change. I, I think it's well needed, uh, on both sides of the fence for the, for the carriers and for the destroyer captains. Well, that's, uh, that's going to change. I mean, we, We've, we've griped about this too, you know, where you're a DD and you go out and you spot another DD and nobody on the team shoots at it. Um, I think it's, it could possibly increase the chances that your team actually shoots at DDs when they're spotted. Um, cause it's going to be necessary. So, so let's pull back and look at an even bigger picture. Cause right now we are so zoomed in and focused on the destroyers. If you go back and read the blog, it says detectability range of all ships significantly reduced. So that's going to affect everybody because, you know, you're in that cruiser. Uh, do I want to run silent and deadly or am I going to, you know, it's, it's going to be a big playstyle change for the better, I think. Um, cause it's, it's going to have you start putting, you know, specking out your ships. And, um, my big question is, is, is how's that going to affect like defensive AA fire? I think there's a little bit more tweaking that needs to be done in it, but. Uh, I don't think it's really going to affect battleships that much, um, especially the you know the American line with 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 the good AA, because um, you know battleships do what battleships do. But I mean, I can see it definitely affecting the way cruisers conduct business. Um, it's a a good thought, something to think about. Well, I mean, think about like what cybers talking about with this, you know, the Soyuz, the the, the tier nine, where you get spotted across the map in the first. 20 seconds, you, you get a CV player and, and you're getting spotted. So now in theory, according to this, you run with your AA guns off and now your detectability just got significantly reduced and you're able to get closer to the fight. It's, it's, it's a win-win. I mean, that's why I, I look at it. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. And that decreases also the AA bubble too, because if you run with it off, now you can't just instantly turn it on and start shredding because you have to build that up. Correct. And for the, the carrier player, it's going to give you a chance to react. Do I want to commit 
to going in or, you know, is this not my intended target? Because I, I know when I'm flying my planes around, oftentimes it's like that old video game Frogger where I'm bouncing back and forth between the traffic lanes just trying to find, and I spend most of my time trying to fly around, you know, AA bubbles to try to get to my intended target. Um, and so I think this is going to also allow the carriage to be a, a lot more effective. Did they say what the ramp up time is and does that vary by ship or how are they going to do that? I wonder uh, if what they're going to do is, uh, I wonder if the massive AA fire skill, which let's all be honest is garbage, is going to increase the speed or yeah, increase the speed of the ramp up. So it says uh, seven seconds. So it'll take seven seconds for you to ramp up to 100%. And that's for all ships across the board? or That's what it says. Uh, of course, you know, once again, work in progress, but that's what yeah. they have right now. I wonder if one Stop. of the AA Stop. skills for captains is going to make that uh, faster, like five seconds. Yeah, it's not going to test. He doesn't necessarily need a full seven seconds to get a shot off or, or drop on you. No, it's usually a lot less than that. Especially with the destroyer. Well, it sounds like we hit the end of the road on that one. Let's. Uh, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> tell you what, before we uh, <laughs> before we uh, before we get too long, let's uh, let's take a quick break here, and then uh, then we'll get into the second segment. Lots coming up, so hang tight. All right, and we're back, and uh, we have an email uh, from Tyler. I wanted to. Uh, Thank him quick for sending an email to the show. And uh, so here, this one's kind of a fun one. I read through it and I started smiling and laughing a little bit. So, so here it is. Just an email to say thanks for putting on the show. You guys are like the crew of the Enterprise. Cyberjock sits in the captain's chair directing the show in that sexy Kirk voice while Mr. Spock, Sock, feeds everyone the cold facts in a typical non-emotional Vulcan fashion. KJ is on the other side of the chair, chill, always like Dr. McCoy. Damn it, Cyber, I'm a DD, not a miracle capper. <laughs> Meanwhile, we hear Mando <laughs> ranting over the comms like Scotty from the engine oh, room. I cannot give ranked any more power. The potatoes are lit up like a Christmas tree. Now in a Scottish <laughs> accent, please. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And uh, and let's not I'll forget. Yeah, and let's not forget Nimitz filling in rounding out the crew as the random red shirt guy that meets his untimely demise every episode. Ha ha ha. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you guys are great. Thank okay. you for the show and can't wait for more episodes. Have a great weekend. And P.S. What is up with Mando and ranked battles? His rants are hilarious. So there you go, guys. Do you care to, do you <laughs> oh, man. This is do you care to explain that, Mando? Classic. Uh, well, what was that, Sock? Do you care to explain? Yeah. So, okay. What's up with me and ranked battles? Um, here's a lowdown. I love ranked battles. I really do. Um, they're, to me, ranked battles is like when I, I can't, you know, because of my work schedule, I can't get into clan battles all the time. And so I, I love the competitiveness. Um, and you can't beat, you know, the goals of the enemy. Who doesn't want 10,000 coal or who doesn't want to pick up a couple thousand steel or whatever? Um, my issue with the ranked battles is I think that, and I know I've mentioned it before in, um, it is the entrance fee, I guess, if you will, it, it, it leaves. <laughs> you're at the mercy of the of the uh, the matchmaker and you sometimes will get somebody who just really should and i mean this in a kind way should just go back and practice a little bit more in co-op because 
when you're working with such a small team and such a, you know, a small, and usually they're typically shorter maps, um, one player making, and we all make mistakes, but, but somebody that is just randomly potatoing off in a direction doing their own thing, um, you can throw a match, you know, for somebody, the other players who are really trying to accomplish the rank to, to get the rewards. And so, that's why I rant on ranked battles is because they are extremely fun and extremely competitive to play in, but they are so gosh darn frustrating <laughs> at the same time. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Um, that's, that's my deal with the rank. Hey, everybody's got to have their one. one random red shirt guy. Come on, dude. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's, I'm, I'm not going to call them potatoes anymore. I'm just going to, I'm going to, I'm going to red shirt. Uh, they're now red shirt captains. There we go. We got another red shirt. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. I didn't expect to be, uh, um, compared to the, uh, the crew of the enterprise. So that's kind of funny. I, I enjoyed that email a lot. I knew you guys would do. Oh, yeah, it was that's great. Thank no, yeah, that's, that's a great email. Good, good matchup. It, is it bad that Star Trek wasn't my first thought there? It was the, it was the aircraft carrier. Yeah, maybe. That's <laughs> yeah, because you're young. I don't know, but Mando, well, gonna... fun, fun fact about Star Trek, though my my grandpa was a big Trekkie. Um, suddenly he passed away about ten years ago, but um, he had like, oh gosh, I think he had, I think he had taped the entire original series. I had it all on VHS tapes, and he had like hundreds of books of it all. Nice. So. In, in response to the email, I will work on a Scottish accent, and I will, I will, um, hey, I will come I up with run? that for next episode. Can I give it a run? Anybody want to hear it? I want to try to sure, give it a run. Go ahead. for it. Cyber! I cannot give rank anymore. Power! The potatoes are lit up like a Christmas tree. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> that was great. I like. That. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, thanks for sending an email in. We we appreciate you. And keep them rolling in, man. Yeah. If you want to know what's up with Mando and Ranked, I I mean, just keep them rolling in. Yeah. Well, yeah, Cyber uh, Mando. I was going to say was that Ranked is also kind of the the true epitome of the game. A a individual game trying to be done as a team sport too. Absolutely, and it, also for me too. I mean, I know we've already beat the the win rate horse into the ground and right. re-upped it and then reburied it again. But my my factually enough, my win rate battle win rate percentage in rank battles is so much more higher than randoms. And I think it's just because I you know you gel with that whole Minus team concept. Two. Yeah. My my rank right. win rate is like sixty five percent. And it, it could also be because you have less battles in rank than you do in random. But probably just, just put that out there. Probably, yeah. Um, no, it, well, in case you guys didn't know, the, the new rank season is underway, and it's th- three versus three. And uh, I've yeah, been having a lot spread, of fun. Right? Um, yeah, it, it's uh, I'm seeing a lot of Palmerns in there, a lot of Palmerns. I myself am running my Ager and the Georgia, switching back and forth. A lot of Palmerns and a lot of Alaskas. So, and, uh, What's um, your nine premiums open like a true whale? Uh, Absolutely. I shouldn't really be talking there because I think I have five tier nine premiums. <laughs> what What were you asking, Nimitz? 
what's the DD count like? Is there very few DDs, or do you see DDs every match? Or I'm seeing Benham's and Kitakazes. I am not seeing a lot of them. They're far and few between. They're they're more of a unicorn. It's mostly um, battleships. And let me and let me throw this in there. There's been some really good because they're short maps, and there's only a, one you know one or two cap points in the center. There's just been some nasty, filthy, gritty, in your face battleship brawls. At least in the battles, and, and even even though I, I like to rant on rank when losing, they've been a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Sounds like I might have what to get the old JB out there and go kick some butt. Uh, yeah, John Bart's a lot of John Bart's too. Determine battleships with a secondary bill would be effective in that style of battle or no? Uh, it depends. So I'm seeing, I saw a few Friedrich de Grosses, not so well. They they weren't faring too well. Um, mostly the Palmers, uh, the John Bart's, um, and the Alaska's. A lot of premiums, more premiums than tech tree ships come around. Well, and and if you read in our, our channel, I, we were having a conversation with uh, one of our honored guests in the Discord, and he said he ranked out in an all sace uh, the French battleship with a secondary build, and he had a lot of fun doing that. He said he, he went right to the top quick. Yeah, yeah. I I started out with the Ager, um because I, I wanted to, to do to counter the Alaska with the torpedoes because I would bum rush them and torpedo them, and I ended up switching over to the Georgia, um, just because the Palmers have just been dominating. Um, and that's not just me. That's like if you look at any of the community contributors on YouTube or whatever, and Flamu and Zoop and all those guys, the, the Palmers is 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 been the ship to beat so far. Well, thanks for the email, Tyler. It was a lot of fun. We we all had a good laugh. Anyway, it's uh, it, it's it's funny to read again, and uh, it, it's one that we've all shared here in uh, in our channel here, so we can all read it. And I'm sure there'll be more comments on it after. I might even share it in the uh, the open channel for everybody in our Discord to read and, and have a good laugh at it. So, but uh, moving on, uh, we were we were going to launch a new segment uh, to the show and. Well, we haven't decided what we were going to call it. We've got a couple of working titles, but uh, we're going to open it to our listeners. I think Sock brought that up uh, when we were talking the other night. Thought that'd be a good idea to see uh, what uh, what our listeners, if they wanted to uh, name name the segment. And the segment is going to be basically we're going to pick a line, a tech tree line, each week and talk about the strengths, the weaknesses, and maybe some tips on how to play it uh, for those of us that have done that line. And uh, I think, Mando, you were you picked this week, so uh, what line are we going to run with? Uh, well, I originally started out with an obscure line, but um, for simplicity's sake, we're going to go with the heavy uh, cruiser line up in uh, the U.S. Navy line up to the Des Moines. That's, that's the line we're going to talk all right, so uh, I, I know there's a couple of Des Moines drivers in here, so uh, why don't we start with, uh, with Sock and uh, see what your thoughts are on the ships. Uh, what, uh, what ships in that line are weak? How do you play them once you get to the Des Moines? Is it worth it first to go all that way? What are your thoughts? Um, the New Orleans sucks. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to make me bleep you, ain't you? <laughs> I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have that, to get out my beat machine again. Dang, nah, but I've been good for a couple of weeks now. It's always socked too. By the way, I don't remember Mister Spock ever swearing. By the way, uh, he did it off camera. Well, he was half human. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Yep. 
he he did battle rage once in a while. <laughs> All right. So other than the New Orleans, good line. Yeah, it, I I personally I think the Des Moines is the best ship in the game. I know that's not. I think I'm going to be contested on that by a couple people here, but I think the Des Moines is one of his, if not the best ship in the game. If I were forced to pick one ship uh, to play, and I could only play one ship for the rest of the time I play World of Warships, the Des Moines would be that ship. Oh, that's high praise. Yep, it's you can because it's so flexible, and there's so many different ways to play it. Yes, I'm going to watch you and figure out because I haven't figured that one out yet. Yeah, I haven't mastered it either. Um, I, I will say I'm a little rusty with the Des Moines right now because I haven't played it much in the last few months. Now that I've been, I've been uh, east of the Iron Curtain. I, um, I agree with with Sock. I went down that line, and uh, the Pensacola and the New Orleans. I feel exactly what he said prior, but I'm not going to repeat it. I didn't um, hate I the New, like- I didn't hate the Pensacola. I oh, thought the New Orleans I, was a lot worse. I, I felt they were both garbage but uh i got to the baltimore and the buffalo i started having more success and i love those ships i thought they were great i also agree that the des moines is probably one of the best ships in the game but the reason i say that is when i see it on the other side i cringe because it's it's probably going to just ruin my day it usually does this thing Um, the des moines is you can no exaggeration you can literally out DPM any ship in the game. Yeah, at close I've, range if you can, you know, with your AP and stuff. I've tried to play it um, sock style, and I don't do well at it. And I've tried to play it uh, the way I've seen the majority of other players play it. And uh, you know, island camp, shoot over the islands, pop the radar when necessary, and just go to town on people. But yeah, I. I don't have a lot of success with it. Um, I think it's a great ship. I just haven't mastered it yet. Um, I'm different, I guess. <laughs> well, on that score, what uh, since we're in the Des Moines, um, I mean, I've seen a lot of guys parking at islands and poking out and firing a bunch and, and, and hiding back, but what, what is the, the most effective way you found to play at Sock? Um, I... I play my Des Moines a little overly aggressively, and sometimes I pay for it. You know, I, I live with the AP, try to punish broadsides as best I can, stay out of direct line of sight. Ah, that's the best way to describe it. That's basically it. There, But there are multiple ways to play it. Like, if you go with a range build with spotter plane instead of radar, your range is 22 kilometers. And leading the shots isn't really an issue because you shoot so fast, you can compensate for it like you can in a light cruiser. And in that situation, you can basically just play it like like you would play a Worcester or something. But I like to play it like uh, some ship that I can compare it to. Not like a DD. I think you kind of play it similar to the way you play your Mosfa. I mean, not, when you, you, you'll roll your Des Moines out there in open water without a second thought, and yeah, I I get deleted in the first two minutes of the game when I do that. But uh, you you I do have success with the island that gets deleted. Yep, that too. Don't you find the shells a little floaty out at like max range, like you were saying with a spotter plane? It can be. They're a little. I mean, I certainly do now that I've been playing Soviet cruisers for the last six months. But I didn't. Once you're used to it, it's fine. They're not because of the super heavy shells. I guess they're not that floaty 
they're not as floaty as something like the North Carolina. That's for sure. Like they're they're decent. How do you find the armor piercing penetration at range? I mean, is it is it effective? Even fine. Yeah, it's fine. like considering with the with the heavy shells. To forget about citadeling battleships. Forget about citadeling anything at long range, really, other than light cruisers. Um, but really, at long range, I tend to shoot high explosive unless I have money shot broadsides and I can get through upper belts and stuff because it's damage that's going to stick. And then it's always high explosive on anything angled. But yeah, you can. If you get a Yamato at five kilometers and he's broadside to you and his guns are pointing the other way, you can take him from full health to nothing in about 20 seconds. It just has that much yeah. damage per minute. I think, who was it, Nimitz or KJ compared it to the Moskva? I, I will disagree on I that. I also disagree on that one. Two different play styles from a Moskva and a Des Moines, in, in my humble opinion. No, no I, I mean, I agree with you, but I, I'm just saying I, I still don't know how Sock pulls it off because I see him take his Moskva out in open water and he does his thing, and he, and he usually does more of a little bit of bow tinking with the Mosfa, I think. Uh, but he'll he'll take his you know Des Moines out in open water too, and um, he still has success with it. And that's the part I'm trying to figure out how how you take a Des Moines because I mean, first off, your name is Des Moines, that makes you a target automatically. Second, you have radar that makes you another target. Um, if you take a Des Moines out in open water everybody starts shooting at you, but you somehow seem to still have a lot of success with it. And that's the part I'm trying to figure out. Well, if you stop going into battle wearing your rich, I I think that's what you, the the secret to your success, then it's to change your shirt. (laughs) Hey, you know, I mean, what would those shows have been without the red shirt? So, I mean, Hey, I, I'm keeping my red shirt. <laughs> at, at the end of the day, I'm no Unicum. So I can't really walk around being like, well, it's because I, I'm just that good of a player and you all just need to get good and learn how to play the demo. It's not that at all. I guess I, I, a lot of it is I get lucky. Uh, a lot of it is I tend to only do that kind of open water stuff when I know that there's not going to be anybody shooting back at me. So like, for example, I I try to corridor in the Des Moines. I think that's the best way to describe it. I try to make it to angle myself with islands and stuff so that there's only going to be one or two people that are able to shoot back at me. I find, I always found that I never really got deleted by the guy I was shooting at. It was always the battleship off that I wasn't paying attention to or that I didn't see that deletes me. Yeah, I, I thoroughly enjoyed the line myself. I also have a Des Moines. Um, to me, the key to success in the Des Moines is you, you got to get that unique upgrade. Um, and that's where the, you know, before you had the, the mission, um, when it was just a legendary mod, um, two almost completely different ships. It's like the Des Moines itself is awesome. I'm surprised they didn't nerf it because it really is a straight upgrade. It, it is. And when you add the unique upgrade on there, more incentive for you guys to get into Research Bureau now. Um, it takes what is already a great ship and makes it better. Um, the whole line going up, hey, to, to me, I don't know if it's a built-in game mechanic. Uh, every line has got that roadblock or that hurdle you got to get through. And yeah, the New Orleans, it's, you know, what, what can you say? It's a roadblock. Uh, all I can say is it's it's only tier seven. And so it 
won't take you that long to get through it if you just stick to it. Once you hit the Baltimore, you start getting those, uh, um, you know, U.S. Navy uh, super heavy shells. And the Baltimore and the, Buff- and the Des Moines have basically the same guns. The yeah, just shoot faster. And the Buffalo is a is a great ship. Um, takes a little bit to kind of get used to that. That's more of a what I would call a a kiting ship versus the Des Moines, where you can. But to sum it up, Des Moines is what I call an, an OG bully. It's one of the original uh, ships. It's been around the game since forever, and it's still a bully, especially if you want to contest a cap in it. And it's in the Des Moines is one of the reasons why, you know, some of the, or a lot of these competitive clans will pick you up if you have a Des Moines and you know how to use it. A Des Moines is one of the only ships of like the original ships from when this game came out that is still meta and competitive. It is. My, my play style is, is I tend to roll right up front, bow tank and bully, um, and use that unique upgrade because with that, your speed of rolling back and forth and peeking up behind islands, it's just, it's phenomenal. So I, I tend to get up close and personal with it. And, and um, I don't do the open water. So I guess I'll have to take my red shirt off too. <laughs> <laughs> well, we talk a lot about the Des Moines, but, uh, how about some of the other ships? Um, any tips on, I mean, do we all play them just like we do the Des Moines or do they have to be played differently? Or, uh, I, I know there's other people out there that are still grinding the line with the, with the Buffalo and the Baltimore and Buffalo. That's the correct order. Um, I find you have to be a little more opportunistic cause your reloads that much longer. They don't have the damage per minute. So you got to kind of search for the opportunities to do bigger damage as you do with every, they're more traditional cruiser. The Des Moines really is, I find it, it plays like a hybrid. That's the best way to describe it. It plays like a hybrid between a light cruiser and a heavy cruiser. When I, when I first got the, uh, Buffalo and the, uh, Baltimore, um, I wasn't an as experienced player. I'm not anywhere experienced now, but I'm much more experienced than I was when I got them. Um, I tried to play them basically like oversized DDs. Thank you for that term, KJR. And, um, you're welcome. I got deleted quite often, but what I found out about that line is, um, so once I learned how to play the Baltimore, um, I did use islands for cover. Um, I always kept my bow in and, um, a lot of times when ships would focus on me and they would turn towards me, I would just back straight up and keep my nose at them. And I had a lot better survivability rate and a lot better win rate. Um, with the, with the Buffalo, I tried to do that and it worked to some extent, but I think, um, Mando just touched on it. It's more of a kiting ship. Um, you got to suck them in and then run away and burn them down. Um, and it's, it's, it's really good at its job. Yeah. It's, it's got good angles and because you have the X, Y turret in the back. So while you're floating away, those, that X, Y turret is just melting them down. It's, it's a great, Different play style, but it's a great kiting ship. Um, Pensacola, New Orleans, my advice to somebody going up the line, um, as I would with any of, of the ships with a softer shell, be, have patience, be more opportunistic, meaning, um, if you find a target, open fire and then cut your guns off. Don't be afraid to go dark. Don't be afraid to go dark once you start getting targeted and, um, you know, let the smoke kind of settle and then open back up again with those ships and you'll find you, you will, the, the key, especially with the Pensacola in New Orleans is to try to survive into the mid to late game. That's when you will really, because then you can start, you know, culling the herd and picking off the, the 
low health ships. Um, they're ready. And they're not going to be, yeah, they're not going to be too much of a, of a threat to you. So try to survive, pick and choose your targets, go dark. Don't be afraid to go dark. You know, when it starts getting a little too hot. I, and I think that's a tip you can use in a lot of ships that uh, people forget. Um, you can go dark and sometimes, you know, survivability is, is better than that, you know, 30,000 points of alpha damage you're going to get right then and there. Sometimes the survive, survivability factor is more important. Screeching train wreck on that one. Wow. I think we rounded that up pretty good. I, I, I don't know that we anybody really needs tips on the Tier 1 through 4 or whatnot. And I, I think the Omaha is kind of a train wreck. So, um, <laughs> yeah. you know, the Omaha would be best to play a handful of games in it and free XP buy it if you can and, and get rid of it and move to the Pensacola and work your way up there. Um, you know, I didn't really care much for the New Orleans either. Uh, I've got the Baltimore. I haven't got any further than that. I'm still working that line. But, you know, honestly, I hated the Baltimore when I first got in it. It took me a while to get used to playing it a little differently. And, uh, yeah, you have to be opportunistic. Jeez, that's a tongue twister today. Uh, But, yeah, you got to look for those opportunities and and take them when they present themselves and hope for a little good RNG in your favor. And, uh you know, I've I've done well in it at times. I've done really terrible in it at times too. So, I'm uh, looking forward to getting into the Buffalo. Though I hear that's a pretty solid ship. Although some people in the clan say it's terrible, others really like it. You know, at some point I'd like to get to Des Moines just to see what all the talk is about. So, but yeah, it's uh, so I, I think that was a decent segment. Uh, you know, we can talk about a, a line like that every week, and uh, you know, see what uh, see what people think. Um, but that is uh, still unnamed. We, we've got a couple of working titles, but uh, we're going to let our listeners weigh in and, and see what they have to think on that, too. And we'll, uh, we'll go from that. You know, probably next week we'll come out with a title for that. But uh, we are getting a little long. I'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's go for some parting shots here and, and get out a little bit early tonight. What do you think? Uh, how about you, Mando? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so my party shot tonight is I've been cruising the forums as I always do, creeping, creeping in the bushes. Um, if you guys haven't seen, the summer festival is on, and so they got the summer tokens that have been dropping in the game. And you could also go to the uh, premium shop and pick up some extra tokens daily. Uh, my recommendation on that is um, pick up some of the the big Santa crates. It's your chance to you know maybe pick up a Belfast or a Missouri. It's cheaper than you would normally get. Um, at the end of the year. But what's got everybody talking about on the forums is apparently, um, and, and of course there's no stats to back this up, so buyer beware, but apparently the um, the air supply crates, the premium air supply crates has got old drop rates. Um, so if you're looking to pick up a Kaga or the Enterprise, um, it's got the old drop rates. People are talking about picking up, you know, the Enterprise in their second or third crate on a phenomenal level. So might be something worth checking out. And that's my parting shot. Yeah, and I know there's been a, a couple of guys in the clan that have had some success in purchasing those. So, uh, and uh, some of them are are you can buy max five, and then then you're cut off. But you know, it's still five. You know, it's better than nothing. And uh, who knows if the drop rates are great, it, it's worth a shot. You know, if you've got the the extra coins, give it a shot. How about you, KJ? What's your parting shots for us? Uh, nothing more than usual. Um, stay safe, everyone. Um, and, uh, don't ever get volunteered to pull up carpet cause it's nasty, nasty work. So that's about it. <laughs> yeah. The honey do list is a lot of fun sometimes, isn't it? 
I wish I had honeydew lists. I always get honeys. You will get buns. So, I mean, I'd, I'd be happy with a honey list. <laughs> I don't get a choice. Uh, that's great. Uh, I'm crying with you, buddy. How about you, Sock? Well, I guess I'll keep beating on that dead horse of the stream. Links in the description of uh, the podcast. I've been starting to stream a little bit more now that I've been not quite so damn busy, but it's fun. We're getting back into it. I was starting some streaming some different stuff, so it's, it'll be interesting. That's uh, about all I got to say. All right, Nimitz, what do you got for us? Well, now, lads, me parting shot be going out to the young lad by the name of Tyler B. We do be thanking you very much for your email. It uh, gave us lots of laughs, lad. Lots of laughs. Thank you for enjoying the show. Uh, we hope you uh, continue to uh, write us and uh, best wishes to you. Suddenly, Scotty became Irish. <laughs> you know, yeah. I'm, I'm working on those accents. They're rough. I'm, I'm working on them. Huh. And you did it without laughing. I wouldn't have been able to do that. And I couldn't keep a straight face, no. No. And and since when did Scotty get the red shirt and get killed off at every episode? You know, if you look at the old episodes, there are several times Scotty wore a red shirt, and he was usually in a landing party when he did it. Um, so he was one of the few red shirts that survived. <laughs> yes, because they always had extra red shirts. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I don't have a parting shot uh, this week. Uh, you know, maybe don't be a potato. Here, I'll steal that one from Mando. Don't be a potato and ranked. Go out, have fun. Don't cut people off, you know, mainly me. <laughs> and uh, have some fun in the game. This has been the full broadside, everybody. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you soon. Take care. Music used in this podcast was provided by Joseph McDade. Find him at josephmcdade.com.